Welcome back to our Pursuit of Purpose series. It's been so good, right? Today we have Dr. Sharon Mancha, who is an educator, entrepreneur, consultant, speaker, and trainer in both faith-based ministry and secular systems, program management systems, and organizational operations and management. She has 28 years of pastoral ministry, 35 years in entrepreneurship and management leadership. She is the founder of faith-based organizations and church planting, founder of five private preparatory schools, author of three books, mother of five, and former wife of 38 years. Dr. Sharon Mancha is a program design management consultant retiree from Los Angeles Department of Education, overseeing program management, systems of school districts, private partners, and funded Head Start programs. We are so excited for you, our audience, to listen in on this exciting conversation about the pursuit of purpose. Let's listen in. Welcome, welcome, Dr. Mancha. And thank you for agreeing to sit before our audience to share your story. You have been able to accomplish so much in various fields. Kind of share with us and tell us your journey and how you had the audacity to become what you are today. Well, I'd first like to thank you for inviting me to be on the show today and to be able to reach out and share my story. Um, I would say that my story began really just because of life itself and the journey that God had orchestrated for me to be able to gather the skills and the resources and the experience in life itself. Mm -hmm. So I can be more efficient, knowledgeable, and confident about the times and the seasons that will present themselves to use those skills. Um, I was raised in the projects and about nine years old, um, my grandfather and grandmother had a home from the military and um, that they had purchased. And so I moved in with my great grandparents actually, mm -hmm. and um, pretty much was reared by my grandmother. And um, so we moved out of the projects into the home. And so that was some different experiences. And I'm a firm believer that um, your foundation and your visual as a kid in those formative years, because from zero to eight, by the time a kid is five years old, they've already formed as much as they're gonna learn. And then they build knowledge on top of knowledge that they that was their foundational knowledge. Mm -hmm. And so I think my, my project <laughs> or my early life experience of seeing struggle and seeing um, the necessity to, to press past struggle and not allow the circumstance in the moment or the current situation in life to prevent you from wanting more and you know that you can really muster the strength to visualize more than what you see before you. And so I think as I talk about my story, I have to just give credit and honor to God. But the fact that my origin in terms of my birth and the space by which I um, 
began to aspire for more than what I had in the moment was because I was reared in the projects, because I had the experience when Martin Luther King um, um, uh, died and I was in the kindergarten and that whole chaos that was around that in the projects and all the uproar and my seeing of people hurt and wounded mm -hmm. and um, muster up that emotional life that says we still have a chance even though this has happened. And um, just seeing those traumatic experiences in my life um, as not only that movement, but as my family, my mother and uh, grandparents and aunts and uncles and everyone was trying to find grounding in a community that was highly um, oppressed in, in the sense of, of uh, you know, racial things. And, and so I had made some decisions as a young child watching my grandfather and my grandfather on my maternal and paternal side were entrepreneurs and um, watching them aspire and, and get up every day and go at it and, and taught me from a very young age how to fill up the ketchup jars and <laughs> wipe off the salt and pepper shakers. And um, to if I saw a customer come into the restaurant um, to greet them and at little bitty age and, and uh, to take menus to the table and things like that. And I think it just birthed inside of me um, this ambition that my current circumstances do not dictate my future. I love that. And then when I um, was saved, of course, faith, you know, faith with the tenacity of, of survival together, it just will launch us. I mean, into our purpose and destiny and calling. We just have to have the drive to not quit. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I think the drive and tenacity is definitely something that you absolutely need any anytime you're undertaking any personal pursuit, whether that's relational, personal, um, or career pursuit. But can you also kind of give us a little bit of insight on what obstacles and roadblocks did you encounter and overcome during this personal pursuit? Well, I'd have to say that, you know, um, life is a journey and um, it reminds me of when God delivered um, Israel from Pharaoh and Egypt, how they expected because they had received deliverance that they were going to go into the promised road, um, land on an easy path. And what ended up happening is God tested and tried their hearts to see if they would love him in spite of the difficulty of the journey. So the scripture says that the Lord took them around the long way because it wasn't a long journey between Egypt and the promised land, but God took them a, a long way around. And the scripture said that, and it says that so he can try their heart to see if they will love them. So my obstacles and the things that I have been through, I don't see them since I've been saved as um, op obstacles solely. I see them also as opportunities. And I see them as um, the threshold of an open door that's before me, because I'm a firm believer that after obstacle is the blessing. And so um, some of the things that I have been through is loss of job and having to reboot and restart. Um, going for many years into a profession that wasn't really my passion. And um, 
But learning later on, just because I had a proclivity and skill sets for that particular thing, I was very good at it, but it wasn't the love of my life in terms of what gets me up every morning and gives me uh, excitement and joy and the thrill of life. I wasn't in that arena. And so I began to multitask and multi um, plant myself in things that I loved and enjoyed. So as obstacles came, and I had some of them, like I talked about, um, my husband passed away. Um, Christian, I'm sure you're aware of that. Um, that was one for this life change. I just had this transition. He passed away prior to him passing away was the love of my life, my grandfather, my father, my husband, and my um, grandfather all passed away within six months of each other. My husband and my father passed away two weeks between each other. My husband died and then a week later my father died. So I buried both of them in a two week span of time. And that was a devastating blow. Uh, assessing the different um, realizations of life, how life can happen to you. And a son being falsely accused and imprisonated and all the evidence was there that he was not guilty. His DNA was not there, et cetera, et cetera. And they knew it and they hid evidence. The, the people lied on the stage and admitted, my, our attorney caught them in the lie. They admitted they lied and the judge and prosecuted them anyway because of the uh, culture by which the trial was in. And um, um, so now I'm having to fight the process of that and then finding out through the uh, of the board of appeal in legal situation that they had no evidence to convict my son and that my son was really guilty, but there was nothing they can do about it because our attorney, some things he did were um, in cahoots with the courts. And so having to really hold on to my faith through some things that I had no control over the outcome and still believing that God is who he is and that God would do what he promised and having a vision in my own head about what was set before me. But I kept it pushing. I kept through many days with the tears flowing down my face. I got up and did what I needed to do and I faced what I needed to face because I knew that like I said earlier, the moment didn't dictate my future. I refused to let my past hinder my present and capture my future. And so, yes, I've been through the storm and the rain, some things I can say publicly and some things I cannot, but God took me through them. And then he gave me the ambition and the drive to believe that this, that wasn't all it was to life. That was one sentence or one paragraph on the page at that season in my life. But there's so much to the story to be read and experienced. And I held on to that. Wow. Well, thank you for sharing one, because I think a lot of times when people speak of scripture or of God, a lot of times they don't have or they don't share their testimony. And for you being able, like the power of your testimony is saying like, no, God is good, not just because the Bible says so, but because I've lived through it and him yeah. being able to show himself to be a good God, you know, you are definitely a testament to how good God is. So thank you again for sharing. Can I add a little bit more to that? Absolutely. And a, um, for me, I think it's, it's a very poignant point of faith. Yeah. And um, there was a, a time in, in um, Mike and I's life when um, I was pregnant, he had a broken foot and um, the baby was about to be due. I was maybe um, I was already on maternity leave from my job and we were like, he had broke his foot and we were like, I'm talking about broken than broke, 
for. I don't even like to put that out in the atmosphere, but I did use the word was. And there, um, there was that time in, in our life. And I remember um, we had just gotten saved and I had said to, um, to Mike, I had said, you know, honey, God is going to, to do this. God's going to work it out. He said, what do you think God is going to do? Just rain a check down from heaven. I got to go to work because I was telling him not to, I was requesting he did not go to work on that broken foot, but he was insistent. I'm feeding my family. If this, I'm going to work on crutches, whatever I need to do, I'm going to do it because my kids are going to have food in the house. And I was saying, don't, you know, God's going to provide, don't do that and jack your foot up. And, um, so he went on to work and that day a check came in the mail and I spoke these very words. I said I, that, um, you know, yes, God can send a check out of nowhere, unexpected. And God's going to honor my faith. You watch this. We serve this kind of God. And so I went out to the mailbox by faith. And when I went out to the mail, a mailbox, there was a check in there and the state had sent us a check for whatever reason. We don't know why. It just said it, it was a reimbursement for some sort. And it was quite a bit of money. And, you know, I could not wait to call him at work and say, you know what you said that God wouldn't do and that he required you to plant a seed of, of labor. If a man don't work, you don't eat. I said, let me tell you what God just did. And I told him about the check. And, and from that day, and it wasn't for his faith. It was for my faith, for mm -hmm. me to learn that no matter what the circumstance is, if I believe God, he will honor my faith. Yeah. And so I've lived on that principle all my life, even through the deaths, through the things that I have been through. And I don't look at the circumstance as being um, the only truth, that it's just a, a curtain or a, a, a sheer drape of truth. There's so much more beyond it when we believe that all things are possible. And so God has done that in my life through the times when, you know, there was a mindset, is this really real? Is this really going to happen for me? I would speak to that thing, faith. It's going to happen because all things are possible to he that believe, you know, and I would fight my way through the questions, the fear, you know, the thoughts that come to the mind. I would speak to those thoughts. I would speak to the fears. I would speak to whatever. And I would keep fighting until I saw the victory. And every time God did it. Yeah. Again, thank you for sharing. That's such a powerful testimony. Um, so let's kind of switch gears a little bit and wanted to see um, a lot of our viewers are primarily women. And so uh, we wanted to kind of tap into how has your sister friends, your girls, um, how have they assisted <laughs> you through your process of just becoming in your, you know, your entrepreneurship and just different things that you have your hand in? How did they help you through? Well, I have two BFFs and um, my friends are, we're very close. Um, we are partner with each other for life success. And um, so one of the things that, that we do to support each other through our business endeavors is to um, remind each other to proclaim. So if I'm saying anything or someone is saying something like, oh girl, I hope this works out. We check each other. We say, oh, it's going to work out. Remember, we cannot fail. We, we don't we don't talk about if if it's not a word for us in our future and our destiny and purpose. Oh, girl, that's going to work out. You know, we hold each other accountable to speak positive. Um, we 
are honest with each other. When one of us is out of sort in our vision or dream, or we distracted or, or don't feel like doing it, whatever, we hold each other accountable. You can do this. I'm coming over there. We're going to get up. We're going to go do this. You know. So it's this commitment to each other to where we make life sacrifice for each other. And then we also are... Um, are each other's life coaches in the sense that we hold each other accountable for our thoughts and the way that we speak and the way that we present ourselves. And I think that's been huge because I don't care how sophisticated you are in your um, desire for aspiring, you need someone to hold you accountable to stay on track. And so that's what we do. We also um, celebrate each other's achievements together. And then we spend time with one another, you know, and we're listening. <laughs> so when we're on the phone with each other and, and you don't sound right, I'll hold you accountable for what that is. Look, we got to talk about this because that cannot stay in your life. This is a moment we got to correct. And we, we do a lot of that. And, and no matter how forceful we are with each other to help us get through those humps in life, we um, don't get mad and quit. Um, we stay with each other and, and work through whatever the challenges are. And I think that that's huge to love someone enough and to be committed to someone enough to say, I'm going to hold you accountable for what you say you want in life. And when I see you get off a track in any way, shape or form, I'm going to hold you accountable for that. Even if it means I got to take a day off of work and come over there and help you get it done. And so we do that kind of thing for each other. And it has been huge in my life. And I know I've been huge in their life as well. And we Can pray we for put each a other. nickel in the meter? Can we put a nickel in the meter um, for a second on that? Because... <laughs> Um, uh, Brandy and I, I mean, we're, we're fairly close and we definitely have our check-ins and we hold each other accountable. And, you know, sometimes we have tough conversations with each other, but we're definitely committed to each other. But I find that our relationship and, and the relationship with your BFFs that you shared, it's not common amongst women. So can mm -hmm. you speak to um, the power of collaboration um, and respecting individuality and being able to, as you say, stay committed to the cause and to each other through the difficult times. Because let's be honest, we don't always like each other. We don't yeah. always get along. We, I mean, you know, come on, like we, we can That's be real. True. We don't always like each other. Sometimes, you know, you feel the certain kind of way, whatever the situation is, but, but the, love, the love outweighs those moments. And yeah. it's, it's the commitment to the bigger purpose, to understanding the significance of having those individuals in your life and the value that they have. So can you speak to that? Because it's funny when I was thinking of this series and Brandy and I were very intentional with um, the people that we have on and we, we try to forecast and plan and we strategically pick different people. I was like, Lord, you know, I need um, some women of value um, women that have stories and women that are humble um, enough that they will accept the invitation. So I prayed and your name came up. Now, you and I haven't spoken in a significant amount of time. Correct. But when I reached out to your credit, and I'm saying this publicly because our audience will hear this, you did not ask me for a dime. You did not say, um, you know, how many people is, is, is your audience? You didn't ask all the other questions that I get sometimes from people when I reach out. So to your credit, thank you, first of all, for accepting our invitation, but also can you speak to really the power of collaboration and sisterhood and staying committed and understanding the bigger picture? Well, I think um, if I can deal with the individual part, 
first, the individual respect, is to clearly understand the goals of your friend, um, to um, have that powwow and real in-depth conversation about each other's strengths and, and weaknesses or challenges, I know is a, a probably more politically correct um, word, but to know each other well and um, to understand what ticks each other off in, in a way that it causes um, uh, it causes us to be honest about you're going into that moment. I know right now I'm getting ready to be a trigger, you know, and, and I think collaboration itself is more than just the sharing of resources and knowledge and information and networking to cause your business to be successful and then constantly building up on that network. So as your, your business and whatever your dreams are that as they're evolving and expanding and creating more opportunity for you, that your your, your friend or those that hold you accountable um, to growth, to self-growth and to business growth, that they're able to continue to put input. And I think it, respecting each other in that collaboration is also understanding each other's limitations and um, not expecting what a person is not able to give. And, um, and the, in the, as you, I'm probably sure you're aware of in the business of entrepreneurship and especially post COVID, there's a, uh, I mean, just a, a vast mindset of growth and creation and innovation and expansion on what once was. And, um, and so the, the vision and the miraculous right now is ever present. And so collaboration doesn't look like it used to, not solely. Collaboration is much more than just me hooking you up and we coming together as a team and sharing knowledge. Collaboration, I think, is that partnership that we were just talking about. I think collaboration is not just me giving you resources, but giving you my life, giving in the sense of, of friendship and fellowship and what that's going to look like and having those kind of conversations. And, and so I hope I answered that question, but I think it's individual. It's a respect for what each other brings to the table or to the relationship. I think it's accountability in there. I think it's a recognition of the limitations that are there and then how to honestly and with integrity go out and get what's missing and bring it in, into the relationship. And I think that's key. I did not ask for money and I did not ask for um, anything that would honor my own self because the, the, when you're dealing with, I feel like women that are trying to evolve and grow, your motive has to be right. You have to be in the right space by which you care about another sister because she's a sister. And that's across um, human lines. And because I don't believe that, you know, there's a, a black race and a white race or Latin race, there's one race, it's the human race. But as we look across the gamut of, of people and culture, we have to begin to bridge as never before this sisterhood because I don't want to go into history because that's not what you what we you know are on the show for. But there has been throughout time disparity with women becoming successful and without a glass ceiling and being able to actualize fully in their giftedness across our plethora, I would say, of knowledge and skills because women are so creative. I mean, we know how to take something out of nothing and make something out of it to meet a goal and to, you know, reach our end game. And it's just a makeup that God has given us, as he said, that we are um, helpmeets because we didn't have the limitation that he did. God didn't say to women, it's not good for you to be alone. We came fully equipped. <laughs> 
(laughs) And so, because what we were created to be and to do. So I think that collaboration and individual partnership to women as a gender is huge versus what I can use from you to launch myself. But what do I bring to the table to the conversation of women in growth and aspiring to be their best selves. And that is so key. We talk about collaboration on here a lot, um, but also like you mentioned, the individual, your heart posture as to being open to saying that. And, and it also goes back to faith, I think, because when you when you believe that God is God and he, he is a God of abundance, there's no lack. And so I can be a resource and have an open heart and an open mind to helping other people because I know that I serve a God that has more than enough. Like me helping you does not take away from what's available to me and my, you know, my family and all of this. And I think the idea of scarcity is where we get where women kind of turn away and kind of just don't want to help each other out but there's no lack there's no lack and we have the ability to do so much more together and with using our faith and with using just you know the various resources that we all have and what God has knitted in in, in each individual when we come I together. would add to that conversation that generally if we are, now this is just probably my uh, psychology background, Mm -hmm. but, and then just from experience, you know, just people watching and pastoring and different things like that. Generally for me, when I see a woman that cannot connect um, or she's afraid to give what she has to, you know, to bring it and make it an open um, buffet for others to glean from. I think it's because she struggles with Mm self-esteem. She fears, you know, that whole competitive thing. She fears that she's not good enough. The reason why she's intimidated or threatened by you or threatened by sharing that someone's going to grab it and do better than she did with it. Mm -hmm. And so I think at the root of all of this greed and selfishness and me, and I need to be the one on the platform, at the bottom, the very core of that is a woman that's hurting in her identity. She's struggling to really believe that what she brings, that God has given her, can nobody take it. And there's, and like you said, there's room at the table. The scripture says very plainly that he that began a good work in us will perform it into the day of Jesus Christ. And so there's no way you can prevent God's performance in my life. Right. And so when I really believe that God is the one, he and I in partnership to get me to my end game mm-hmm. and that there's nothing you can do to prevent that. That which is for me is for me. But rather the unity of community to, to really cause that community to thrive and to become I have a responsibility to that. Mm-hmm. And as I give, when I first started, I'll go back to this. When I first started uh, and I launched a nonprofit organization, it was a family preservation and reunification um, faith-based organization in Oakland, California, which and it was called FaithWorks. And what it was really geared to do that particular unity, we were contracting with Child Protective Service to reduce the number of uh, foster Black kids in particular, or kids in general, that ended up in foster care within our community. And our church and and my husband and I, our organization was the hub for that community. And so um, what in the process of that, one of the things that I really took note of and had to pay attention to and to 
fight to maintain as a foundation of my own personal growth is that when you do the work, the money will come. That when you plant the seeds, you cast your bread up on the waters. The Bible said in not many days, it will return unto you. You never have to worry about somebody stealing your bread because God's the protector of your bread. He's the rewarder of your bread. And so in that organization, I remember grasping on through Cal Berkeley, grasping onto this concept that if you build it, everything you need will come. And I've practiced that and held onto that all my life. I don't worry about people. Um, I stopped doing that long time ago. I stopped worrying about what people can do or take from me because they did. They stole ideals and it became great. And I had at time I could have gotten upset and jealous or whatever, but I learned. I learned that there's a way you do business, you know, and you don't really, you know, pass your baby around when a baby is newborn, you don't pass it to everyone in the room. You wait till that baby takes on enough immune um, to the germs around them so you can pass them and they can survive it safely. So it is with a dream and a vision. And so there are times when you have to keep things undercover is what I'm trying to say, but there are um, times after it gets old enough and mature enough and you're secure in what you're doing, you know what you're doing and how to only do it, you're able to, to bring that out and share it with others. When our idea was stolen um, by the organization that um, got the main grant that we wanted and we got the secondary grant, they had to come to us to implement. So they had to come back to us to get us to contract with them to do the thing that they had stole from us because they could not do it. Right. And so that was a, a real thing in my life that helped me understand what I've given you, nobody can do it but you. Mm -hmm. And so it secured my confidence. Amen. <laughs> so just to kind of, we we're going to kind of wrap up and I just want to ask a question and you can give it your answer however you feel but what advice would you give the younger version of you if you could go back I know you know we don't live in regret you know like that's not a you know a thing but if you could give your younger version of you advice what would it be girl don't trip don't worry about what it looks like right now mm -hmm. um, I, <laughs> I would tell her there's great things ahead of you and no you don't have it all right now but you're going to get it. You're going to develop what you need. You're going to mature your life experiences, the goals that you have for yourself. You, you and God together are going to work that out. Don't fear what you're going to face in the process of life maturing and growing you. You're going to survive it and you're going to get to the end. So gird up your loins and get ready for the journey. That's what I would tell her. Mm -hmm. Because process <laughs> is not um process is a good thing you know you cut the onion up you cut up this you cut up that you put it together it's not till you've all gathered it together like guacamole when you're making guacamole it's not till you put it all together that you real taste the you know you can savor the flavor so to speak and so understanding that life is like that there's many pieces to it there's many puzzles to it it takes bends and turns it detours and ditches and climbing out of holes and all of it, but the end result is it paints the most beautiful expression of who you are as a woman, your character, your integrity, your skill sets, and it ultimately glorifies God. But it's all process. And that's why the scripture says that all things work together for the good. It's together. It's not the individual parts, but it's when it consummates together, it's going to work to our good. 
Absolutely. Dr. Mancha, I want to give you the floor. Um, this is your opportunity to talk your talk, shoot your shot, let the audience know how can they connect with you, what products do you have um, available, any future endeavors or any upcoming events. This is your opportunity to share with our audience whatever it is that you would like them to know about Sharon Mancha Ministries. Well, um, I am an author of three books. My first book was The Power of Intimacy with Christ. And it was a revelation for me in terms of God wanted to use me as a writer. And I'll speak to this as I talk about it because I was on a cruise where I had just finished my master's degree at Fuller Seminary, a master's of theology. And my husband, late husband, had uh, taken me on a cruise to celebrate my accomplishments. And that was really huge for me because I was um, a driven person. So um, I'm finished one task, I'm on to the next. You know, and he said, uh uh, we're going to pause and celebrate this. And so he took me on a cruise. And while we were on the cruise in the midnight hours, probably about two o'clock in the morning, and, you know, the cruise ship, everybody sleep pretty much. And um, the Lord called my name in the middle of the night and um, I, my eyes open. And if you're familiar with an intimate relationship with God, it's like that. You know, when God speaks to you, I don't care if you sleep, whatever you're doing, you hear him. And so I, I woke up and I laid in the bed and I said, yes, Lord. And he said, go out on the balcony and get a pad and a pencil and come sit with me. So I went out on the balcony of the cruise. We had the, uh, you know, a studio suite so I can just go right out of the room onto the balcony. And it was, if you can believe this, it was two or three o'clock in the morning. So I'm sitting out there where you can't even see the ocean. You can't see um, much of anything, even where you're sitting because the cloud above was touching the water and the ocean. So I felt like I was sitting in the midst of the cloud. My hair had gotten wet and my gown from the mist and everything. I'm sitting out here because God told me to come. And he said, you're gonna write a book. He said, you're gonna write for me and you're gonna write a book for me. He said, write this down. And I did. He said, write down, this is the name of it, the power of intimacy with Christ. And I want you to go tell people how what it's like to have intimate relationship with God and the power when they do that will flow into their life and out of their life into others. So I wrote down what God said and I chuckled. I said, Lord, me right? He said, I want you to write. And so when I got back home, I began to write that book. So I've written three books. I've written The Power of Intimacy with Christ. I wrote Trial Trauma because God initiated the journey, but he didn't lead me to read Trial Trauma. I read it because it was in my spirit to do so. So I'm saying that to say there's things that God will give you a plan. He'll give you a, a jump start, and then the engine is going, and then you take it in the direction. And so I, the second book was Trial Trauma, Healthy Spirituality for Empowered Living. And it's about after you've been through the trauma, after you've been through trial drama, you've been through difficult things, like I have said in as we were talking, and you've had obstacles and challenges, and you question God, and you, you know, wonder, where's this God that says he's this? And, um, you know, I don't see the manifestation in every area of my life, and you have to re-pick up your faith, your confidence in God, and regather your spiritual composure. That book is about that, how to regain what I have lost in terms of my faith in God. And then my final book is called, or the third, I shouldn't say final, my, la my last book that I've written is called um, Next 
uh, steps and it's about walking in the spirit. And that's all about how to hear the voice of God, how to discern when God is speaking to you, how to differentiate between your voice and his voice and the noise around you. And then how to separate or discern from your flesh and the spirit, and then how to live that out in your everyday life and in your ministry and the marketplace, your uh, business, entrepreneurship or working, whatever. And so I um, want to share with the women and anyone out there, if you can get those books in the various different stages in your life, whichever one is relevant. Mancha, thank you so much again for um, accepting our invitation to be on, on this uh, episode today. Of course, as always, you dropped several nuggets, which I'm so excited to share um, with our audience. Wish to our audience. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. This is a wonderful series. I hope that you guys are taking notes and that you're sharing this with your sister friends and that you're also using this as an opportunity to become more self-aware and to also put these tools in your shed for future use. So continue to like, follow, and share until next time. Thank you for listening to It's the Discussion for Me. Hopefully you are leaving here seen and enlightened. If so, please share, like, and invite others to the safe place. Until next time.